from spooky legends past, down through generations, to haunted locations that hold a ghostly past. Come one, come all, come blinders and seekers, hear the creepy side of Nipa. Welcome to the creepy side of Nipa. I'm Dan Kozlowski. And I'm Nora Herchik. On this episode of The Creepy Side of Nepo, we kind of dug into a little bit of the creepy side of the Christmas season. You might have heard of Krampus from the 2015 film called Krampus. However, on this episode, we spoke to Graydon Dunkelberger, who has a little bit of the history of Krampus, where it came from, and what exactly a Krampus is. Graydon, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Graydon, what's a little bit of the backstory about Krampus? How did it all get started? Well, like many cultures, they kind of got started by different pagan festivals around the solstice. In uh, several different countries, it used to be believed that there were demons and evil spirits that would come and cause mischief around the winter solstice. So it actually started with Frau Pershta and her Pershtan, which would have been men dressed up in animal clothes, animal furs, um, with goofy masks, trying to ward off evil, making loud noise with bells. And from there, it kind of evolved into the Krampus stories that we know today. To be honest, I never really heard about the Krampus story much until the movie came out, I believe, back in 2015, it was? Yeah. Yep. Now, uh... Obviously, when Christianity with the Holy Roman Empire started moving northwards up through uh, into Austria and modern-day Germany, they didn't like the different pagan traditions at the time, but they wanted to try and assimilate the different parties and festivals to make their religion more palatable to gain more followers. So they didn't want the Persian Laos to go on anymore because it was seen as demonic and satanic. So they had to kind of shift into a new holiday creature that they could still associate with their beliefs and something that the church would find palatable enough to them to allow it. So from there, it kind of moved over to this new creature called Krampus. He was still a man in animal furs or sometimes seen as a half goat, half demon creature who had bells on him to make noise, a bundle of birch sticks to paddle naughty children, and somewhere in his costume he would have some form of chain, and that was shown to symbolize the church as having the power to bind demons. And whereas in the past that they were allowed to run free through the streets causing mayhem, they were now going to be followed by St. Nicholas, uh, who is a Catholic saint, normally associated with the Christmas times and gift giving in order to kind of round him up and make him subservient to him to do his bidding. So is Krampus then kind of like the evil counterpart of St. Nicholas? Um, I would say that he's more of a tool for St. Nicholas that while St. Nicholas takes care of the good kids, St. Nicholas uses Krampus as a tool to prod the naughty children into the right direction. Very interesting. What would constitute somebody as 
a naughty child? Like, would that just be, you know, the typical the kid's not listening to his parents or whatever, or would it have to be, you know, a little bit more? Did it kind of just depend on whoever? Well, at, at the time, uh, a lot of these regions were heavily Catholic. So it could be something as a kid not reciting their prayers or learning their catechism or anything like that. So a way to get out of being punished by Krampus would be to recite your prayers or come on uh, tell the truth about a lie or a bad thing that you've done throughout the year to come clean to it to your parents. So kind of like correct your wrongdoing. Yeah, which it could be seen as being punished for being naughty, not doing your chore, uh, your chores or your farm work, anything like that at the time too. Mm-hmm. And you said that Krampus would beat the kids with the sticks that he had or what, like did it kind of change too? punishments well he would carry a bundle of switches or a horsehair whip mm-hmm. to paddle or strike out at kids to scare them i don't know what it would have been like in the olden times because typically when a krampus in saint nicholas would visit a house they would be given treats like you would leave milk and cookies out for santa well krampus gets left a shot of schnapps at each house <laughs> so throughout the course of a night, you have these probably middle-aged random dudes from a village uh, having a couple of shots of snops and going around and paddling children. So I'm sure as the night went on, you'd rather be at the first house than at the last house. Yeah, I would agree with that. So there were m- multiple... Krampuses, or is like it's not just one, like how there's one St. Nicholas, correct? No, um, there would be multiple Krampus with St. Nicholas, and it could be as little as one or two, or as many as a dozen, maybe two dozen. They would all travel in a group, uh, ringing bells through town to announce uh, their arrival and to kind of cause some fear among the youngsters that may have been bad that year, which if you see any of the more traditional Krampus louts in European countries, it's basically maybe a dozen Krampuses followed by a St. Nick. And each little town has their own regional variants of this because they're so isolated. There's no overarching theme of what a Krampus has to look like. And the same goes for the St. Nick. He could look, like a typical holy saint, he could look more like Santa. Uh, just depends on the region. It kind of varies based on like folklore and how it was passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, and in these parades, you might have, I don't know, 20 different groups together. So each group has their own group of Krampus and St. Nick. So by the course of the parade being over, there may be 20 different St. Nicks chasing around a couple of Krampuses. And what exactly happens at the parades? It's just basically a bunch of people dressing up as Krampus, especially the more modern ones. Yeah, the more modern ones, it seems to be a thing where you take your kids to show them, oh, hey, look, if if you're bad this year, Krampus is going to take you. Here's what some of the Krampus look like. And they'll get close to the bystanders, maybe swat at them with a horsehair switch. Uh, if the kid's bad, maybe they'll pick up the kid, walk with them for a little bit, hand them back over to the parents. 
Now, I have noticed that you did quite a bit of work with Krampus. You have a group called Krampus Susquehanna. Am I correct? Well, yeah, I'm the Susquehanna Valley Krampus. And it's not really a group. It's more or less a page just to show what I'm going to be attending this year, uh, how people can meet up for pictures, uh, just different goofy things throughout the year. Why did you decide to start doing that? Well, I uh, studied history at Susquehanna University. And I was on a study abroad program to Salzburg, Austria. So I kind of learned about the traditions over there, thought they were interesting. Mm-hmm. And nothing really happened until I got a dare from a friend at college saying, hey, if you dress up like Krampus and scare my roommates, I'll dress like St. Nick. <laughs> so I made the first Krampus suit out of that. And we visited uh, his roommates on campus and a couple other people, we were stopped by the public safety, and once we explained what it was to them, they thought it was kind of fun and unique, so they let us keep going. <laughs> well, that's definitely an interesting way to get started. <laughs> sure is. Have you seen more of an interest in Krampus, like recently, as opposed to a few years back? Yeah, I mean, I was actually doing it before the 2015 movie, but after that and a couple of the videos from the Krampus Laos in Europe going viral, people kind of seem to take a liking to it. It kind of breaks up the monotony of the whole Christmas season when you have people putting Christmas trees on the shelves in October and Christmas movies right after Halloween. People kind of get tired and bored of the whole thing, so they're looking for something to help break it up. Yeah, and every year it seems like the movies come out earlier and earlier. Yeah, which by the time Christmas gets here, then everyone seems to be sick of it. So at least this gives a more varying degree of emotion to the whole holiday season. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely adds a little bit of a different flavor to it as well. Because, you know, Christmas is typically obviously, you know, like happy and giving gifts to people and all that kind of stuff. But it's a little bit of a, I don't want to say negative, but like darker side to the Christmas season for people. Maybe a little bit more on the creepy side. (laughs) Well, if anyone was interested in looking you up on Facebook, how could they find you? They would just have to search for the Susquehanna Valley Krampus. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight. Yep, I appreciate you having me. Thanks for coming on. Yep, thank you. Have a great holiday. You too. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Creepy Side of NEPA. Although this is our last episode for 2020, we will be back in 2021 with at least one episode every single month. And if you haven't already, make sure to like us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called WNEP's Creepy Side of NEPA. And also, if anyone has any ideas for an upcoming episode, or maybe you have a story that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania that you'd like to let us know about, our email address is ghost at WNEP.com. Or you could also contact us through our Facebook page. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year. Until then, enjoy the creepy side of NEPA. This has been the creepy side of NEPA. If you have a spooky story that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania, send it to ghost at WNEP.com for your chance to share it on an upcoming episode. We're dying to hear from you. <laughs>